we were called to be different. We know that, right, from last week? Yeah? Or if you've read the Bible? Anyone here last week? Yes? Okay. All right, all right. Hey! Um, I just want to quickly recap last week, because we, we're diving into this three-part series called Different, a People Set Apart. And if you were here with us last week, I'm going to try to breeze through this as fast as I can, but it's worth recapping. And we were in the book of Daniel. From the book of Daniel, there were our, this guy named Daniel, whose his name was changed to Belteshazzar, because they were all taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar, that's a fun name to say, and the Babylonian Empire. And, and Daniel had three friends. And these friends were called Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because their names were changed as well. So we, we looked through the, the story of Daniel, how these, these three guys said they weren't going to bow down and worship this idol, this golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had made. And so they were cast into this furnace, bound and tied up, wearing all their clothes and all their flammables, and thrown in this furnace that was seven times hotter than it was even used to be. So they were thrown in, and King Nebuchadnezzar looked. He's like, hey, man, did, did we... Then we throw in three guys. Well, you say, yes, king. Well, why are there four dudes? And they're not only bound, unbound, they're, they're walking around in there. And the fourth guy looks like the son of God. So he called them and he went over and, they, and he called them. And they came out of the fire, walked out of the fire. And he said, you know what? We're going to give your God praise because no other God can save in this way. Quick recap of Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30, if you want to go back and, and look through it. But we, we learned a few things from that. Again, I want to recap in this different series. First of all, just because the world says something is right doesn't make it right. From the story of Daniel. Just because the world says something is right doesn't make it right. And just because the world says to do something doesn't mean that you should. If we're going to be different... we. We have to know these things. Number two, when you take a stand for Jesus, like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, when you take a stand for Jesus, others are going to see him in action. And when, you, when they took a stand for Jesus, it, it, didn't know that, it didn't matter that Nebuchadnezzar had never seen Jesus before, had never seen God before, but he knew what he looked like. Isn't that crazy? Well, who's that fourth guy? Because he looks like a son of God. I've never met him, but wow, that guy. And when you and I take a stand to be different for God in our lives, other people see him in action. It's not about us. Sometimes we get sheepish, and we don't want to talk to anybody else about God, right? or about Jesus, or about our, my faith's personal. We just stay in this little box, right? We don't want to be that different. We want to be normal different. We want to be safe different. When we get outside of our comfort zone, sometimes we really make it about us. But when, when we talk about Jesus, others see him. They don't see us. Number three, when you are different for God, you may fall into a fire, but you're going to walk out. We learned that from, the, from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they were bound, they were tied up, they were wearing your flammables. And yeah, life's going to happen to you and me. And sometimes you're going to feel like we're just tied up and thrown into a fire. But when you walk with Jesus, you're also going to walk out with Jesus. Number four, the only scars worth talking about belong to Jesus. The, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have looked at this as, oh God, this is punishment. Why are we being punished? Why are we going to be dragged through this? I don't want to go into a fire. It's hot in there. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And we, we, we talk about the things we've been through. And sometimes you and I have been through a past. You've been through a journey. You've been through life. You've been burned by things. Sometimes those things are churches and peoples and relationships. Is, is. We've been burned by those. And sometimes we like to really look at the scar 
You know, that's a guy's thing to do, right? Say, oh yeah, I cut my arm off with a chainsaw and sewed it back together. Look at these scars. And we, sometimes we, we, we talk about our scars and we just go back and we go back to them. But the only scars we're talking about, the only thing that's burned worth talking about, the only thing that's damaged that we're talking about is Jesus' scars that he bore for you and me. Some of us have to let some of that past go. Because God didn't make that fire, Right? God didn't make the fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in, but he didn't put it out either. Could he have? Absolutely. We know that from Elijah. Could have put out that fire, but he didn't because he wanted to walk with them in it. It's the same with you and me. You might feel like you're in a fire. You might feel like the world's burning you up, but man, just open your eyes, walk with Jesus. and He was going to meet you there. And the fifth thing, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego again, you choose who is king of your life. In this different series, you choose who is king. These three guys said, no, I'm not going to bow down to this golden statue. That's not my God. That's not my king. That's not going to rule my life. And I'm not going to let it. Kill me. Take my life. Throw him into fire. I don't care. That's what they said. We'll be fine if God saves us or if he doesn't. But I'm not dying without giving him the only glory and praise. I'm not, I'm not going in that fire without him being king of my life. If you are in a fire in your life right now, you need a king. A king can't be you. You can't be your, the own savior in your own life story. It doesn't work that way. You choose who is king of your life. We are called in this series to be different for Christ. So we're going to move on into part two. I'm going to try to recap the book of Esther as well as I can. I'm going to try to make it as fun as I can too. It's ten chapters, and if you've got you know, some time this week, I mean, I really encourage you to read the book of Esther, because it's just so cool. Ten chapters, you can get through it in, I don't know, 15, 20-minute read. You know, if you've got a work break or lunch break or something like that, it's, it's not that long, depending on how fast you read, but you can get, it's not that long, so you can, you can get through it. And it's an awesome, awesome story, and I'm going to try to do my best to recap some of this, and we're going to, again, dive into how Esther and this guy named Mordecai were different in a good way, for God. And this book, Esther, uh, if you find Psalms, go back some pages and you'll find it. It's in the Old Testament. And th- in this book, Esther, is just as much about this girl named Esther, or Hadassah is her Jewish name, as it is about this guy named Mordecai. Well, the book's called Esther. No, Mordecai is just as important. So there's this guy. I want to say, there's this guy. Weak. There's this guy. Okay, all right. Woo! There's this guy, and this guy name was King King Ahasuerus. And he put on this 100-day festival to say, look at me, I'm awesome. Okay, 180-day festival, and he had this queen, Queen Vashti. And he said, Queen Vashti, she's pretty to look at. Let's summon her during these days of, yay, I am awesome, and, and let's have her come down, and we can all just, ooh, she's beautiful, right? And Queen Vashti was like, uh-uh. Okay, this is what Queen Vashti said. And that didn't go so well with the king. And he got really, really mad. And he's like, you know what? We're going to dismiss her. She's no longer going to be queen. Let's do a bachelor-like search for a new queen. And so that's exactly what they did. And all these virgins were assembled. And again, one named Hadassah. Her name's Esther. Uh, and her cousin, Mordecai. Her, Esther's uh, mom and dad had died. And Mordecai's uncle's daughter. So if you follow the chain around, they're cousins. He's kind of looking after her as his own daughter, because she didn't have anybody. And if you were a woman in those times, and you didn't have a mom or dad or a husband, you were in dire straits. So he's looking after her to take care of her. And uh, Mordecai is in the king's court, and they were both Jewish, but they don't say anything about being Jewish. Because remember, this is still after the Babylonian 
captivity in King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is still all down and the other nations have come in, the, the Medes and the Persians, and they've all conquered each other and, and, the, and, the, and the Israelites now have just been absorbed and assimilated into being split off in all these little groups. And this tribe of Benjamin is still around, still in quote-unquote ish, a captivity type state. And this guy named King Ahasuerus has 127 provinces all the way spanning from India to Africa. It's pretty crazy when we think about these giant you're like, oh, Roman Empire, huge. No, this was mega huge. All the way from Africa, Ethiopia, to India and Asia in the, middle, in, the, in, the, in the Far East. So this guy had a huge thing, and, and, the, and the tribe of Benjamin, all these different tribes, and, and Israelites had just been kind of absorbed and assimilated, still in type of captivity. And so we find Esther and Mordecai out of this. And so Esther is brought forward as a virgin, say, hey, she's pretty good looking. Let's put her through this bachelor. Okay, and there weren't roses, this bachelor took a year, and for the first six months, ladies, you might sound like, oh, this sounds good. The first six months of this year, the women were pampered in, in oil and myrrh, and that's it for six months. Like, hallelujah, right? You know, massages. And the second six months, they were bathed in spices and ointments. Well, I don't want to spell like cinnamon. I don't care, okay? They were bathed in spices and, and, and ointments and all that kind of stuff. It took a year of like all this smell cosmetic treatment. You're like, well, makeup wasn't in the Bible. Yeah, it is verbatim cosmetics. He said, bring their cosmetics with them. It's actually in the book. So ladies are like, okay, it's in the Bible. It's biblical. So <laughs> put on your face. And so they went through this bachelor for a year, right? And there were these two groups of women, and if they made it past round two, they got given the quote-unquote rose, and they got able to be passed on to round two. I want to read a section here. If you're in the book of Esther, chapter two, just a couple of verses so you know I'm not making all this up. And Esther was so, like, so pretty and, and so... Um, so wise and, and so kind and everything, she is made queen. So Esther, chapter 2, verse 16. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women, again, it's like the bachelor, and, he, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of... Vashti, and then they put on this giant feast, the Feast of Esther, and everyone has a good time. Fast forward a little bit. Mordecai, again, her kind of acting dad, but uncle, cousin thing going on, cousin. Uh, Mordecai discovers a plot from two guards that are in the king's court to kill the king and lay hands on him. And so he tells Esther, the queen, and Esther tells the king, right? But Mordecai isn't rewarded. This guy who's in the king's court is, and his name is, anyone take a guess? Hey, man, let's take a guess. Hey, man, let's take a guess. Hey, man, if you walk away with one thing today, you're going to be like, hey, man, that's all I remember. And I don't know, something about makeup and hey, man. So, hey, man is this guy's name, and this guy is promoted in the king's court. And he gets so puffed up and so big, hey, man, and wants to walk, walk on him like, hey, man. And so you can think of it that way. And he wants everyone to then bow down to him. This story sounds familiar a little bit, right? So look at me. I'm, I'm so wealthy, I'm so promoted. Everyone come down and buy, bow down to me and give me homage. And so the king passes this little edict that says, okay, hey man, um, wants you to say, hey man, every time you walk past, hey man. And so a lot of people do that, except for this dude named Mordecai. Mordecai says, nah, right? Just like from before. And so 
Um, King Ahasuerus is not real, real happy about this, and, and Haman is not real happy about this, and he hatches this genius plan in his mind, day after day after day, of walking by Mordecai and not getting bowed down to, and not getting bowed down to, and not getting bowed down. He's like, you know what? Mordecai's kind of close to the king. He's in the court and everything. He still doesn't know he's related to Esther, but you know, he's kind of in, in the king's court in his favor. I'm not going to kill Mordecai. What I want to do is I want to wipe out all of his people, like all the Jews, all of them, at the same time. And so he goes to the king and says, you know what? I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to kill the Jews. And we all just blankly stare like I did the first time. 10,000 talents. Sure. That seems like a lot, right? We don't know how much that is. 10,000 talents is 750,000 pounds of silver. We still don't know how big. Okay. Let's, let's look at what 750,000 pounds look like. This is the world's largest dump truck. Boom. See the little dudes there? See little dudes? This is 750,000 pounds is this truck. It's the world's largest dump truck. This Belaz 75710. It has four 1,200 kilowatt electric engines. 1,800 horsepower per engine. It can carry 450 tons. This thing can hold nine Titanics in weight. So when we think about what is 750,000 pounds of silver, that's a lot of silver. That's a lot of silver. That's how serious Haman is to kill all of these Jews. And so he sends out this decree going out to all 127 provinces from Ethiopia to India to kill all the Jews in one day. This edict goes out for one day. It's the 13th of the 12th month, the month of Adar. So imagine... The World War II Holocaust happening in one day. Anyone seen Schindler's List? It's on Netflix streaming. I watched it again not that long ago recently. Fantastic movie. When we think about what was done in World War II, imagine that in one day. All the Jews wiped out for a dump truck of silver because Haman is mad at Mordecai. So, Esther chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. Let's check this out. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, city of Susa, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes." There was a time here where the Jews didn't want to be Jewish. They're like, oh, no, no, I'm not to save my life. So if you and I knew, because this is almost exactly lining up in the time frame of what was going on here uh, in this book, if you knew that in December we were all going to die, would that change our perspective on life? That was what was going on here for the Jews not just the Jews in the city of Susa, not just Esther and Mordecai, everyone. If you knew that all Christians were going to be killed in December, would that change our perspective of life? And even after prayer and fasting, Esther decides to approach the king, even though it's against the law and she could be killed. No one's allowed to approach the king without the king's request. But she says, you know what? I've got to take a stand for me, my house, and my people. 
Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says this, And then Mordecai told them, reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. You're not exempt, in other words. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for such a time is this. In other words, maybe you're right here in the right place at the right time, and it's time to do something about it. Maybe you're queen for a reason. So she chooses to approach King Ahasuerus without his approval. The king decides to spare her life, and he's like, okay, you're here, what do you want? And she says, you know what, I want to hold a party. Oh, okay, I can do that, hold a party. And I want you to be there, king, yay. And I want Haman to be there. Yay, and I want me to be there. All right, so we hold a party, okay? And at this meal, like, they, they come to this little banquet, and, 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 and the king of Hesuris asks her again, okay, so we're having this banquet. So what is it re- that you really want? She's like, what I really, really want? He's like, yeah, what do you want? What I really, really want, I want to, I want to, and they go back and forth, and eventually they come back to this place where she's like, I really, 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 really want to invite you to another banquet tomorrow night. <laughs> and he's like, okay, another party. And so Haman's all excited. He feels super special because he's all like, I get to go to another banquet with just the king and just the queen. Look at me. I'm even more and more and more special than I was before. And so he's walking by Mordecai and he's looking at this poor little dude who's going to die, torn in a sackcloth. He's like, he still won't bow down to me. And look at me. I'm eating with the king and queen. He gets so mad. He goes home and goes, boo-hoo-hoo with his wife. And his wife says, you know what? Let's fix this. So in his backyard... He builds a giant gallows or a wooden stake. I believe it's a wooden stake, and I'll talk about that why later. But in a wood, just a 50 cubit high wooden stake, 75 feet. And, and so you can think about it, you know? So really, really high wooden stake, and he's going to hang Mordecai on it. That's his plan because he won't bow down to him. So he goes home and he's, he's boasting about, look what I've done. I've got this gallows, talking to his 10 sons, look at all this kind of stuff. Yes, look at me, 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 me. That same night after the banquet, King Ahasuerus, he can't sleep. So he asks for bedtime stories to be brought out of all his memorable deeds. For real. And they bring out, oh, this is what you did when you were little. Oh, I remember that. Tell me another one. Oh, this is what you did when you were a teenager. Oh, that was so good. Tell me another He can't sleep, so they bring out all of his memorable stories. And finally, they get to this point where, and, and Mordecai saved your life when he followed the plot of those two guards. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah, Mordecai saved the life of these Save the life of you, O king, because he foiled the plot from these two guards who wanted to kill you. He's like, what was done for this dude, Mordecai? And they're like, nothing. And so he's like, we got to do something for this guy. Who's someone in my court right now and we can talk to about fixing this thing? And walks Haman. He's like, hey man. No, come on, right? He's like, hey man, and what, what if there's this guy in the kingdom and I really want to honor this guy, what would you do? Haman thinks he's talking about he himself because right, he's been going to the dinner with the king and queen. It's like, well, here's what I want. Um, let's see, I would like to, I would like to wear the, the robes that you've worn as king. I would like to sit on a, a horse that you have ridden on as king. And that would be like to be like paraded through the city saying, this is what's done for the person who the king pleases and is, and is well loved. And yes, right? Everything Haman's always wanted. And the king's like, great, go do that for Mordecai. <laughs> Haman's like, huh? So it stacks on, and Haman goes and does these things. So they put a robe on Mordecai and, and, a, and put Mordecai on the horse where the, the king is ridden. And, and then who guess who's leading Mordecai through the city, singing praises about Mordecai? Hey, man! 
that's what's going on. And so Haman, man, he's crushed. He is wrecked. He goes home and he's like, and he's crying to his wife again, all boo-hoo. And just at the time, the, the, the guards come to say, hey, guess what? It's time for that next banquet. Oh, that's right, a party. Oh, at least I go back to the king and the queen. And so he goes back and says, oh, okay. I puts on a bib. He's ready to eat. Hey, man, and the king and queen Esther are all sitting there. And, and the king again asks Esther, said, okay, we're round, for two, round two for dinner. What is it you really want? She's like, well, with her cosmetics, and I'm sure everything, smelling like ointments and cinnamon and juniper and other weird-smelling things. She's sitting there smelling lovely, looking, looking lovely, and she says, Oh, king, there are people who want to kill me, and there's a plot to kill me and my family and all of my people. And the king's like, Get out! Who would want to do such a thing? And she's like, Hey, man! Right at him. And then Hey, man, is like, You've got to be kidding me. And she's like, nuh-uh, he's got a 50-cubit-high stake in his backyard meant for my cousin. He's going to hang him on it. And then the king goes, nuh-uh, right? Just like before, again. And guess who's hanged on that 75-foot-high stake? Hey, man. It doesn't end well for his family, right? After that, everything kind of wraps up. Esther remains a faithful queen. This edict is sent out to all 127 provinces from Ethiopia all the way to India saying, do not hurt the Jews. And there was so much fear of, of wanting to like not hurt the Jews. Other people would be like, <coughs> I'm Jewish. Don't hurt me. I'm Jewish. Don't kill me. Because it went so far from one end all the way to the other end. And everyone was like, I'm Jewish. The end, right? So that's, that's finishing up uh, the book of Esther. And we're going to look at three points today. Number one, if you're going to be different for God, it often means you're going to be hated. If you're going to be different for God, it often means you're going to be hated. And for most of us here in, in America, we, we have it comparatively easy for the rest of the world. Missionaries being butchered, you know, places over in uh, Egypt, churches being blown up on Palm Sunday. We've got it comparatively easy. But if you're going to be different for God, it often means you're going to be hated. The book of John, chapter 15. Turn there, if you've got that. book of John, chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 18 and 19. I guarantee you this is one of the least preached on verses in churches across our nation. And Jesus says this in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world will hate, stopped hating, hates. Constant, ongoing. The world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. We're going to keep going because it's good. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on my account, on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and they've hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. 
But when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And we're going to be hated. It's not going to always be easy. If this is a popularity contest religion for you, there's the dope. Because it's not going to happen. Ever. So when was the last time you were even remotely disliked because of Christ? When was the last time you stuck out just enough for God to be different and it rubbed someone else the wrong way? I want you to take a look at this picture. If you can't see what that is, it's called Christus Rene. It's Latin for Frog Christ. This is last week in the University of Penn State. It's an art project. It's a seven-foot cross with a frog on it. According to Philadelphia Magazine, artist Ashen Day Smith's frog is made of clay, and the cross was devised from reclaimed railroad wood. There's also a barbed wire crown of thorns around the frog's head, and the gold leaf was used to evoke blood dripping from the wounds caused by the crucifixion. The work upset assorted students at Penn State University, Abington, staffers, and a teach-in was held about the artwork on Tuesday in which approximately 60 students and faculty participated. One professor noted, Penn State Abington prominently says and advertises and certifies itself as a place of being no place for hate. She goes on, well, this is hateful. If we decided next month to hang up a swastika or hang a transsexual from a rope, then everybody would be crying about it or something from Islam. This is all part of the persecution of Christians that is going on in this country right now. The guy who made it, Ashen Day Smith, a 30-year-old veteran of the United States Air Force, was taken aback when he heard that people were upset about his work, which he says took the better part of a year to complete. Part of me wants to say you wasted your 2016. It's been really surreal, he tells Philly Mag. A lot of people are questioning my intent. I, I myself profess to be a Christian, and I think the imagery is not offensive because of my intent. It's like a pacifist committing murder and saying, well, I didn't intend to do it. I myself profess to be a Christian and think the imagery is not offensive. I don't know about you. I'm offended. I'm offended because the Savior that I know, I would never even want to artistically, mockingly portray in an art show. Because of what he did for me and what he did for everybody else. School has no plans to remove the sculpture. A teaching was made about the teaching, and they applauded more people for not going and attending it and resisting the pitfalls of logical fallacy, they claim. What about the LGBTQ math teacher at Riverview High School last week in Tampa? You want to hear about that? One. Right. Last week banned at least three students from wearing Christian crosses on necklaces, claiming them to be gang symbols. Y'all, there's, there's a world that's going out there that's, that's hating a lot. A lot about you, a lot about me, a lot about God, a lot about Christ, a lot about religion. And it's because, A, Jesus said it was going to be so, and B, we as a global church have failed at this second point. Two, if you're going to be different for God, it starts with love. If you're going to be different for God, it's got to start 
with love. You see, Esther loved Mordecai. And though, she, though he, he wasn't Jewish, she loved her king, right? And, and though, though they were all in her situation, all the Jews, she also loved her people. You see, we live in a world of, of Christian people who profess, who intend and all that kind of stuff is not going to be offensive, who profess to know Christ. They actually don't. We live in a world where people profess to know all too much about Christ and God and Jesus and their religion and all that kind of stuff. The person they follow. But there is a love-hate relationship going on, and there always will be. Jesus said it. For we are called to love as Jesus loved, and you know what? The world will always hate us for it. If we're going to be different for God, it starts with love, not with hate. The world, let the world do the hating. We've got to do the loving. But just because we are called to love doesn't mean that we are called to embrace or accept that's another giant gap in what's going on in our culture today. Well, if you love me, you're going to approve of what I'm doing. No. Any parent knows that. If you love me, you're going to embrace, you're going to accept. No. I can still love you and not embrace and not accept. Esther loved her king, but she would not embrace or accept the edict to wipe out her people. Loved her king, said, I'm not going to put up with this. And though she could have been killed, she chose to step out in faith. She loved, but she did not have to agree. And this leads us to our third and final point. Esther chapter 4, again, verses 14 specifically. And if you don't have this marked, I encourage you to kind of pull that out. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Such a crucial verse, and we read it earlier. Like I said, I encourage you to underline it. This is Mordecai talking to Esther. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And here's this part right here, underline it. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So if you're going to be different for God, it often means you're going to be hated. If you're going to be different for God, it means it's got to start with love. And the third thing, if you're going to be different for God, there is a time to step out and faith. And that time is now. There ain't no other time. That time is now. Not only because it could be your or my last day, but it could be someone else's. Who knows whether you have the job you have in order to share Christ with the person sitting next to you? Who knows? Maybe that's the whole reason you're here. Who knows whether you're in that class or that homeroom or that basketball team for such a time as this to be different for God? Who knows whether you've come to live in Melbourne or you live on that street where you live next to those houses with those neighbors in them just to have an encounter with one person and share Jesus? Who knows? Who knows whether you're behind that person in line at Publix with all the ah, screaming kids just to show some love. Who knows whether that aggressive driver who shows you that he can count to one with just one specific finger is in your path for a time just like that to be able to pray for that person. Who knows whether you're a part of True Life Church for such a time as this. Do you know? I don't. He does. Who knows whether True Life Church is growing here in Melbourne for such a time as this. Y'all, we've been called to be a people set 
apart. We've been called to be different for God. To show love. To know that we could be hated because Jesus was. And to go when we know it's our time to step out in faith. To take a step. To move. So here's our challenge for this week. Look for a such a time as this encounter in your life this week where you can step out in faith and be different for God. And don't hesitate. Might feel weird, but don't. Don't worry about what to say. Might feel weird, but don't worry about what to say. Don't worry about what they may think because they're probably going to hate you anyway, right? So just be okay with that. Don't worry about what they're going to think. Don't worry if it seems like it didn't go well. Show some love. Shine some Jesus and be different for God this week. Because if each one of us is different, guess what our community is gradually going to be, look like? Different. And guess what your neighborhood is going to look like? Because you're different. It's going to look different for God. Guess what your town is going to look like? Guess what Melbourne is going to look like? It's going to be different. Guess what Brevard County could look like? Different. Guess what Florida and the United States could look like? Different. For God. And all those people, just like the Jews, Esther, oh, I'm Jewish. Wow. I want to be Christian too. Not because of what I profess, make sculptures out of, but because of what I've seen and what I've been shown. That these people are different and they love no matter what. Even if they don't agree. And they're prepared for such a time as this. Let's pray.